Welcome to Inside Pediatrics, a podcast brought to you by Children's Hospital of Alabama in Birmingham. I'm Tiffany Kazaroski. Each September, we recognize Childhood Cancer and Sickle Cell Awareness Month at Children's of Alabama. And today we're talking with Dr. Matthew Cutney, who is an associate professor at UAB, the University of Alabama at Birmingham. He is also director of the Leukemia, Lymphoma, and Histiocytosis Program at Children's. Welcome, Dr. Cutney. Thank you for having me here today. So let's just get down to basics first. Why are these three diseases grouped together as far as your program is concerned, leukemia, lymphoma, and histiocytosis? It's a great question. So each of these diseases, uh, cancers or serious uh, blood disorders, are associated with the blood or immune system. So leukemia is a type of cancer that derives or comes from the bone marrow and the immune cells that grow there. Mm -hmm. Lymphoma is very similar, but is involved in the uh, lymph nodes, which are also a part of your immune system, but out in various parts of your body. Mm -hmm. And then histiocytosis is a a fairly unique type of uh, disease or a group of diseases that uh, involves white blood cells, a particular Mm -hmm. type that there was controversy historically about whether they were actually a type of cancer. But with more modern technologies, we found that many of those uh, disorders do involve changes or mutations in the DNA that really illustrates that they are types of cancers. And each of these can be treated with uh, similar types of chemotherapies. And then why specialize? Why have these disease-specific programs that we've developed here. So we uh, put these together so that we can gain uh, expertise Mm -hmm. in the clinical care and research um, so that we can provide the best care for our patients. I would imagine there are such incredible technologies and testing available now that we didn't used to have 10, 15 years ago. With these disease-specific programs, you guys are able to target a little bit better and tailor those therapies, right? Exactly. So as the um, understanding of the diseases has become more complex, the evaluation and the treatment of them have become more complex. And that's really the the impetus to specialize in these disorders so that the people involved really have the best understanding of them and can provide the best care. So for example, uh, when we say leukemia, uh, Mm -hmm. that's a very general term. Mm -hmm. Leukemia involves a a number of different disorders. There's B-cell leukemias, T-cell leukemias, and that's just the lymphoblastic leukemias. And there's also myelate leukemia. But within each of those, we've now understood that what really drives the cancer cell Mm -hmm. is uh, oftentimes a change in that DNA, the genetic material. Mm -hmm. And we can uh, evaluate each patient's disease individually using various clinical and genetic markers that Mm -hmm. help us understand that patient's disease the best so that we can provide that patient with the best treatment for their particular disease. And the fact that you guys are really working more toward, and I know a lot of research is involved, and working more toward treatments that are less toxic to the body for these kids and that produce less side effects down the road as they grow into adulthood. Exactly. Always our our number one goal is to cure the most children with cancer, and that drives us each and every day. But we also recognize that the current treatment strategies, the chemotherapies that we use, have a lot of side effects. So we also have a dual goal of curing children but doing it in a safer and more targeted manner. So the problem with traditional chemotherapy, we call it cytotoxic chemotherapy. So that means cell killing. Mm -hmm. To kill the cell, what it does is essentially damages the way that the cell can divide its its DNA and its makeup, Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't do that specifically to the cancer cell. 
those mm-hmm. same effects can happen to other cells in the body. And that's where we get the side effects. For example, the hair falling out. That's because mm-hmm. your hair grows quickly and it damages those cells that are trying to grow quickly and the hair falls out. When we use things called uh, targeted therapies or immunotherapies, we can start to get away from that nonspecific killing or damage. We can now start to hone in and attack the cancer cells themselves. And explain a little bit more about that. Can you go into talking about how the body doesn't necessarily recognize the cancer cells like it would any other type of virus or the antibodies would normally, you know, kick into gear and help protect our body with with other viruses, but not necessarily with cancer? Exactly. So, of course, this is a fascinating and quite complex area where, Mm -hmm. you know, we have this amazing immune system that is continually surveying our body to look for foreign invaders, bacteria, Mm -hmm. viruses, fungus, these other things. And it's highly effective in in often treating those things. Mm -hmm. It actually does the same thing to try and prevent our own cells from becoming abnormal cancer cells. And in most cases, it can actually recognize a cell that's become abnormal Mm -hmm. and starts to grow and can kill it. But occasionally, these cells do continue to grow and evade this uh, surveillance of the immune system and turn into a cancer. So part of our strategies now are to help the immune system re-identify these cancer cells as something abnormal. And there are, are the multiple strategies to that. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the uh, initial and most basic ones was to use antibodies. So antibodies are part of our normal immune system. Mm-hmm. They're, they're kind of like magnets that uh, attach to the outside of a cell on a, a specific target. Okay. And these are now developed to look for particular targets that are specifically on cancer cells. Mm -hmm. And you can give these antibodies so that they just attach to the cancer cell and then the immune system sees them and it it kills the immune system. With time, that was also developed actually to be a way of targeting chemotherapy. So linking that Mm -hmm. chemotherapy agent to the antibody so that when it's delivered into the patient, it doesn't just go over the whole body and cause all these side effects. It really goes in and really just attaches and and kills the cancer cells themselves. And that can obviously decrease the overall side effects and oftentimes can improve upon the cures because we can do that in combination with other established treatments and chemotherapies that we already use. Another uh, buzzword that we've heard a lot in cancer treatment is immunotherapy. We hear it here at Children's and in the adult world, in the cancer treatment world. So tell us a little bit about that and how immunotherapy is being used. Right. So these antibody strategies are included in that overall terminology of immunotherapy, engaging the immune system in various ways. Other ways to more directly harness the immune system uh, also involve uh, a new type of antibody called BITES or bispecific T-cell engaging. It's a big word, but basically (laughs) now think of basically two magnets hooked together. One magnet attaches to the cancer cell, and the other magnet actually attaches to your healthy, normal immune system cells, your your T cells. Mm -hmm. And when it does that, it brings them into close proximity, and then your immune system cell, your T cell, sees that cancer cell and directly kills it. So it's a a more effective way of of, of really activating, harnessing, engaging that T cell in your native immune system. Building upon that technology, there's also been a big push to bypass the antibody part of it. Say, let's just work with those T cells that we know are so effective in killing the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. And we as a center are, are privileged to have a program in immunotherapy and cellular therapy that we can now offer something called CAR T cells, which is chimeric antigen receptor T cells, another mm-hmm. big word. But basically it means that we are able to take some of these T cells, the immune cells from the patient that are healthy cells, mm-hmm. and they are then um, manufactured or changed in a way that activates the T cells to directly recognize the cancer cells. And when they're infused back into the patient, they go in and survey throughout the body, going mm-hmm. into any areas that have cancer and can help attack and, and kill wow. those cancer cells. 
So you're taking healthy cells out, manipulating them in such a way that they recognize, and then infusing them back into the patient, and then they go out and do their job. Exactly. So basically, you are making the patient's immune system treat the cancer like an infection. That's fascinating. How often are we able to offer some of these therapies? I guess it just depends on the type of cancer, where that child is in their stage. So we always want to build upon our prior successes, and uh, we want to maintain that good cure rate. So for some of the uh, newest therapies, we first offer those to our patients who unfortunately have not responded to the normal or standard chemotherapies. So many of these immunotherapies or directed therapies started out by treating patients who had had relapses or refractory uh, cancers Mm -hmm. and were shown to be efficacious, meaning that they helped cure those patients. And once we see that signal through research studies, we then evaluate adding that new medicine or new Mm -hmm. therapy to the traditional treatments that we have used and have shown to be uh, effective. And the only way that we can really scientifically know whether we're helping our patients is to do this in the setting of a clinical trial. So the National Cancer Institute and and us as a center, we are heavily engaged in in research. And we've always said that the best treatments are to first establish what the standard of care is, what are the best effective therapies for a patient, but then to evaluate whether that patient may also be eligible for a clinical trial. And a clinical trial means that we are doing a usually a a smaller change in the established regimen, particularly Mm -hmm. in a newly diagnosed patient, and comparing the established way of doing that with um, this small change. And then we evaluate how patients do. And Mm -hmm. it's a very uh, systematic way of looking at these new therapies to see if we are curing more patients and we're doing that in a way that is less toxic. So we don't just only look at what patients cured, but what right. side effects do they have? How, how are they doing with a therapy? And particularly for a lot of these uh, immunotherapies, it's been very exciting because we're seeing that patients are tolerating them much better, that mm-hmm. their experience going through that type of therapy, the side effects they deal with are far less than what they would have had going through some of the chemotherapy. And so mm-hmm. very quickly, uh, many of these immunotherapies are moving into the treatment of newly diagnosed or uh, leukemias. And mm-hmm. right now we have several open trials looking at these bispecific T-cell engaging antibodies or these antibodies that are linked to a chemotherapy for some of our uh, ALL patients patients, our acute lymphoblastic leukemia patients. Equally important is not just the immunotherapies, but other types of targeted or directed therapies. So mm-hmm. I, going back to the, the fact that we now understand that cancer is driven by these changes in the genetic material, the DNA, mm-hmm. and we uh, do a lot now to try and understand what is driving that patient's cancer. And when we find that, we first try to uh, figure out, is there a targeted therapy? Is there an additional medicine that is going to help that patient and improve their cure rate above and beyond just giving them to traditional chemotherapy. And so we have a number of standard approaches for that and also clinical trials that we can offer our patients mm-hmm. uh, using the, the newest and best types of, of treatments to help our patients with cancer and do so in a way that um, causes the least side effects. So our, our research programs, our clinical trials are, mm-hmm. are very important to the work we do and to the service that we can provide to our patients. And not only to our patients here in Alabama, that they don't have to leave here for those clinical trials. Explain how the impact that we have here not only affects the children in Alabama and and neighboring states who come to us, but then also affects 
you know, children nationally going through a treatment. Definitely. Well, I am privileged to work here with an amazing group of physicians and nurses and everyone. And, uh, we are very active on the national stage. So just looking at our program, uh, mm-hmm. since that's the, the focus today, my colleagues are all involved in types of, of research that are really advancing the treatment of these diseases at a national level. So just briefly, uh, for example, uh, Dr. Julie Wolfson, one of my partners, mm-hmm. uh, she's involved in a national clinical uh, trial chair in looking at ways of best treating adolescents and young adults, mm-hmm. a, called as the AYAs, because uh, there's always been a lot of focus on children with cancer and then elderly adults who have you know the highest rates of cancer. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, these folks in the middle, the adolescents and young adults, have often been left out of research strategies, and they really lagged behind in improving cure rates in the last decades. And, and Dr. Wolfson in particular, and with others, is really trying to advance the treatment for that group in particular. Another example, Dr. Anna Xavier, she is a um, leading uh, researcher in lymphomas nationally and mm-hmm. also uh, clinical trial chairs uh, for particularly difficult to treat types of lymphoma and really targeting those so that we can advance the cure rates. Also, Dr. Aman Wadwa is uh, focusing on more of the supportive care and outcomes. So not just the cure like we're talking about, but Mm -hmm. doing that in a way that minimizes side effects. And he's trying to understand what are the patient factors that really impact or can predict who's going to have more toxicities with their treatments. And then I myself, I'm focused in uh, leukemias, particularly myeloid leukemias, and have been a study chair for national trials in in that regard. So here at Children's of Alabama and UAB, you have Mm -hmm. folks who really understand the the national spectrum of what's going on and and Mm -hmm. what treatments we can uh, provide for our patients and are also driving uh, some of that research and innovation. So it's it's a very exciting place to work and and certainly a, a wonderful group to work with. But it's not just about the physicians who are Mm -hmm. doing the research. Mm -hmm. Um, We are a team, and and that team is inclusive of a whole group of amazing people. We have nurse practitioners who uh, really are important for our patients in engaging in their care and and helping the family through this journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have nurses who are in our clinic and over on the inpatient unit Mm -hmm. who are expert in delivering chemotherapy and all the supportive care that goes into that. And really, when patients come in, uh, they become a part of the family and get to know these nurses because they're Mm -hmm. unfortunately having to come to the hospital quite often or come to our clinic visits on a very right. regular basis. It becomes mean, their second home. Exactly. For, you know, for many people, when they see the doctor, it's sort of a once a year thing. But for these kids, uh, they're coming very frequently. So they really become a part of our family. And with that comes a lot of burden for the family that they mm-hmm. are going to be missing work. Um, it's a financial stress. Mm-hmm. So we have social workers, uh, child life experts, and, and all these other folks who are involved in making that process as seamless and bearable as possible um, so that it's a good experience for the family and mm-hmm. for the patient. And it's, it's been uh, quite amazing to see that team uh, in action as I've, I've been here uh, over the last decade. Well, I do want to go back and talk, you know, historically speaking, you've talked about before how through the years, the therapies and the treatments and just the specialization of your field, everything is just becoming so much more precise. Can you kind of give us some perspective, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago versus now? Exactly. I I think that's an excellent word is that we want to be precise in our treatments because we not only want to, you know, give medicines that we know can kill cancer cells. And that was the first kind of era of chemotherapy and uh, pediatric oncology was, you know, finding medicines that would just kill the cancer cells uh, 
so that we could cure some patients. Over time, that became more specialized using multi-agent chemotherapy, finding the right mix of medicines that would do the best job in, in killing these cells. In fact, we would even incorporate things like radiation therapy to treat disease that was around the brain and spinal cord, but knowing that those really had significant effects on you know, neurocognitive function, their, their brain mm-hmm. activity long-term. And so now we're at an era where we have been able to improve those cure rates to a point where we can start thinking about how can we do this better and with less toxicity? So mm-hmm. making those changes to remove certain more intensive and toxic treatments, mm-hmm. adding in these directed therapies that really target the changes in the cancer cells so that it's not affecting the other healthy cells, mm-hmm. using the immune system uh, in a way that can uh, completely replace, in some cases, some of the chemotherapy agents and, mm-hmm. and give a much better experience through treatment for the for the patient and their families. That is our goal, and we're going to continue to, to fight for that every day here at the Children's of Alabama and, and UAB. Awesome. Also, I know you wanted to mention the support of the community. So we obviously have a big team, a huge team, you know, 300-plus staff members and doctors and nurses who are working here at Children's and UAB to support these patients. But then also the outlying community, you guys have felt so much support from them through the years. Absolutely. What we do, being precise, having complex treatments, having this whole team of people to support the families, that takes a lot of resources, you mm-hmm. know. But we want to provide the best for the children of Alabama. And to do so, we have relied upon the community support. And the community has been amazing in engaging us and supporting us through that so that we have the best folks here to provide the best therapies and that patients don't have to travel to other places, that we're always expanding, providing you know, new types of, uh, of research and new types of treatments, the best facilities, the, the best diagnostics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the tests to evaluate things that we are um, really privileged uh, in Alabama to have a, a community that embraces what we do and mm-hmm. supports that. Thank you so much, Dr. Cutney, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Inside Pediatrics. More podcasts like this one can be found at childrensal.org forward slash inside pediatrics.